it's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime, 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 some, some, summertime. Ray, where are you? I need backup vocals here. I was not excited. I don't think I've ever heard you sing. So I was, I thought you were just going to do like two little, I didn't know you were going to go like the whole, wow. Sorry. Well, I let let's, you down let's, there. Not, let's not go too far, Ray. That's not really singing. That's, um, that's uh, yeah. miming almost that's, is what I was doing that's there. true. Yeah. It's summertime. And, and the reason I bring that up is, you know, it's the end of June getting set for July. I know officially on the, the seasonal calendar, it is now summer, even though I think like most of us feel like it's been summer for well over a month. Uh, but I bring that up, Ray, because it's it's just a helpful reminder to everybody that now is the time to A, not only take advantage of, of your fellow players in your leagues because they know it's summertime, but B, part of that is summertime means vacations. Mm-hmm. And summertimes mean people leave their team for like a week, which means you can take advantage. It also means that on occasion, not often, but on occasion during the summertime with vacations and such, Ray and I have to record the podcast a tad early. Not really early, but Ray, we are actually putting this together on a Sunday before the Sunday action is in the book. So if like hitter in baseball happens later today, uh, you're not going to hear about it on this podcast. No, but we are going to hear about it. Apparently my cat yelling in the background. I, could you hear that, Kyle? Is Dexter well, I, I, he must have uh, been screeching about the singing. Is that the problem? Uh, maybe. Yeah. There he oh, is. now I hear it. Yeah. yeah, that time I heard it. Yeah, hey, hold on one second. Why don't you try to feed him once in a while, Ray? I mean, if, if you give him some catnip or maybe even some friskas, just, just once in a while, you I know, think Dexter would, would you know, act appropriate on he, the podcast. He had breakfast about 20 minutes before we started recording this, so he's not hungry. He's just being... Hey, word to the wise, Ray. I got a two-year-old, and it doesn't matter when they last ate. They, they'd always want food. Same yeah, with cats, sure. man. They always want food. They're, they they see it, they smell it, they want it. That, that's how it is. Yeah, it is. What was your question, by the way? I'm so frustrated. I've, my my I've... question was that, uh, well, it wasn't really a question. It was Just a statement. Some... Since we're recording this early, uh, yeah, that's right. nobody's going to hear about Sunday activities. Right, I'm right. sorry. Gotcha. We're not even going to hear about what Ray's doing later today or what I'm doing later today. Um, I know they're probably hearing this on a Monday, but as of now, it's almost like Sunday never occurred. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, maybe we can wipe out the last minute and a half of this podcast that I ruined with my cat too. So hey, let's just <laughs> that's go how for a it. Podcast Kyle. works, man. Yeah, that's, that's why we're a podcast, and we're not like CBS News. That's oh, okay. you know, that's that's how it works. Um, let's give you the rundown for today's uh, baseball elite podcast. As always, we've got a lineup one through nine, and uh, our first four hitters in the lineup all deal with something that is uh, coming up about a month from now. It's the uh, trading deadline. And uh, we could have a lot of movement. Now, we say that every year, and some years it works, some years it does not. But there is always fantasy fallout. So we're going to give you the early heads up on some guys that could be on the move. So at least you're prepared for it. Uh, We're going to start with some big bats on the move. I actually would make the argument that this year, um, the big name bats are probably the ones we're paying most attention to. It's not bullpen. It's not starting pitching, guys. It's some big name bats that could be on the move. So we're going to start there. Uh, Then we'll move to the two hole and talk about some lesser known or lesser productive bats that could be on the move. Starting pitchers, that could be difficult. We could see a very high demand in the trade market. If you want somebody's pitcher, you're going to have to pay an arm and a leg. Uh, But there are some names could be on the move there. So we'll hit them in the three hole. And then at the cleanup spot, we'll talk about relief pitchers that could be on the move over the next month. In the five hole, some MLB news and notes. In the six spot, we'll get you a player profile of Julio Arias. In the seven hole, 
I think it's now time to reveal this uh, new smash tool at elitesportsdata.com. It's available and ready for you to check out. Ray was one of the masterminds behind putting that together. So we'll pick his brain on, on what it means, how to use it, and uh, how it can help you in the fantasy game. And then the eight spot will be our random reference, and the nine hole will be our stamp of approval. So that is where we are going, Ray, over the next nine batters. It should be fun. It should be exciting. We start with the trade market. And I'll say this off the top, Ray. This morning I was looking at the standings. I'd make the argument that as of now, and certainly this list will probably lose two, three, maybe four names in the next month. But as of now, Ray, I'm looking at like 19, 20 teams that I would argue they're more buyers than sellers, meaning maybe nine, 10 names are kind of sellers and not buyers. Um, and I don't know if that's going to change much over the next month. We, we of course, have the wild card slots. Um, you know, we have a lot of teams who are okay. Uh, we have a lot of teams who are not okay, and they're more than willing to sell because they've got free agents. But that is one part of this that we've all got to follow, is the standings really dictate a lot of times who's going to be on the move and who isn't on the move. Yeah, and of course, we want more teams involved in the playoff hunt, and we want there to be parity in the game, which is, is good for the game, ultimately. Uh, but it does clog up the trade deadline because if everyone's, you know, three games under 500, three games over 500, kind of just sitting in the middle, like no one knows quite what to do. And oftentimes it'll come down to, you know, a week out from the trade deadline, teams aren't really sure what they're going to do. They go own five, they sell their, their SP two blows his arm out. They sell, you know, and they go five and one, they buy, right. Yeah. It's <laughs> so it, yeah, it, it's great for the game to have, you know, so many teams kind of in the hunt, especially with the expanded playoffs and all of that. But it, it does make it difficult because you can look at a handful of teams and be like, they suck and they have no chance, but you're right. It's, it's not as large a group as we often see in baseball. You know, and, and our goal here uh, with not only this leadoff hitter, but also the first four hitters in our starting nine is to just kind of forewarn people. Hey, this guy could be on the move. Um, we need to throw out, especially Ray, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as guys are traded in the next month, but do we tend to overreact to trades as fantasy players? Do, do you think, um, I don't want to say it's a lot of noise signifying nothing, but <laughs> do you think we put more emphasis on a guy changing uniforms than maybe we should? Well, if you're like in an AL or an NL only league, it's huge. So if we remove that component, we just talk mixed leagues. I think you're probably right. Uh, that we do kind of overemphasize things. I mean, there's a lot going on here. You know, you've got new teammates, you've got a new organization, you have a new place to play. You've got the situation like, do, do you bring your dog with you? Do you do you bring your cat with you, Dexter? Do you bring your wife and kids? Do, do you know what do you what do you do with your personal life? Then it's how comfortable are you in the new spot? Do you do you rent a house? Do you stay with someone in the garage? Do you stay at a hotel? Like there's there's all of that stuff away from the pressures the players then put on themselves because a lot of the players that are brought in, you either, you're either fall into kind of two categories, right? You're the 25th guy in the roster. You're that left-handed, you know, hitter off the bench that we really need. Okay. That's a role, big deal. It's, you know, or you're the guy that now you are the, our four hitter. You are our number two starting pitcher. You are going to take us to that playoff. And there's a ton of pressure there. So it, there's so many moving pieces that, None of us really know, and even the players themselves don't necessarily know how they're going to react until they're in it. They might think they'll be fine with it. They get traded. All of a sudden, things aren't fine. 
Well, and, and as we are so want to do, Ray, we kind of focus on just one of the three angles with the trade. Um, you know, a lot of time it's, oh, wow, Trevor's story is going here. Or, oh, my gosh, can you believe that John Gray is finally out of Colorado? The excitement of that, like we focus on that main centerpiece. But there are two other parts of every trade. There are the guys going back to, to the old team. Um, which oftentimes it's prospects, but occasionally we do have guys who are going to be moving um, that aren't really huge names right now, but maybe they got a new role with their new team. And secondly, Ray, or third, I guess, in this example, you've got the guys who, okay, Trevor's story is gone. Mm -hmm. Well, who's the shortstop now in Colorado? Or Josh Donaldson's gone. Okay, well, who's the every third, everyday third baseman with Minnesota? We tend to focus on that one side of the triangle and can often overlook those other two sides of the triangle. Absolutely. And I was chatting with folks in the, the Fantasy Guru chat room. We have a chat room for those of you that, that didn't know. We do. It's open 24 hours a day. You can leave a question and, and get an answer in there. And I was uh, chatting with someone on Sunday morning, and they were talking about, like, Garrett Hampson, like, what the hell's going on? Like, he's not playing much of late. It, what, what's the deal? And, you know, it really comes down to Jonathan Daza has been terrific. So he's sucked up all the playing time in the outfield. And with Brandon Rogers, Ryan McMahon, and Trevor Story doing their thing on the infield, there's not a place in the lineup every day for Garrett Hampson. Now, my anticipation is that we see Trevor Story get dealt, that Brandon Rogers takes over at shortstop, and then that Garrett Hampson's their second baseman. That's my assumption. Not again, not, there's moving parts here, and who knows. But the point is that right now, Hampson, you know, the last week has been disappointing, and he might be disappointing for the next month. But if he's in the lineup, for the last you know, 40% of the season, every day playing for the Rockies, stealing bases, hitting home runs, you're going to want that guy in your lineup. So it is very important to look at players that could have it, could make a difference there. You know, I also look at like the Pirates, like are they going to trade Gregory Polanco or Adam Frazier? Does it matter? Is there anyone that we care about that goes into those spots? Probably not. <laughs> so there are different levels of which players take that next step. But if players are in the lineup every day, we at least have to assess them and determine their worth. So that's the table setting as we get into this. Let's uh, jump into the main course. Let's start serving the food. And, and Ray, like I said, we're going to start with the big name bats who could be on the move. I mentioned Trevor Story, mm -hmm. absolutely one of those guys. Donaldson, I mentioned him. Uh, both the Martes, Starling and Cattell, could be on the move. Uh, could see Nelson Cruz move, Joey Gallo, Mitch Hanniger. Um, I think Adam Frazier, who's having a great year. Jonathan Scope, who's been red hot over the last month. Let's begin with Trevor's story. Um, that's that's the big catch if you're looking for offense. And I think for the fantasy player, Ray, the worry is, oh, man, Trevor's story leaving Colorado. Like, that's the storyline here. And that even affected his When people were drafting him, is the expectation that he leaves Colorado. Um, I, I guess here we go over the next month. We'll see if he lands in an okay place, a bad place. But Man, Trevor Story's been a, a slight letdown this year, and I think a, a Trevor Story owner probably wants him to stay in Colorado simply for the fact that, hey, he gets to hit in Colorado for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, he started to pick things up, which is, the, you know, the positive. And so, I mean, Trevor Story brings the game, the overall game, that he's going to have success wherever he is. We, we know that, and especially, you know, with his ability to steal bases. That doesn't matter, you know, okay. Losing the park hurts. It hurts everyone. We know that, okay? And then the park isn't like, you know, the Blake Street Bomber days where everyone was hitting 40 home runs. It plays different. They got the humidor and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, there is the I'm comfortable here. I grew up here. I understand here that that component that we've been discussing. And then there is the ballpark and, and scenario that is as pronounced there, obviously, as any place ever. 
And there is a drastic difference if you look at stories, numbers. And I think sometimes, Kyle, with this, we we easily go, well, what's the home OPS? It's 982. What's the road OPS? It's 750. Okay. Guilty as charged here. What was that, Kyle? I said guilty as charged here. I often do that. Well, well, but no, I'm I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. But my point is that because that's that is the way it plays out when you're a Colorado Rocky. If he gets moved to a different team, we're going to see 750 OPS, 750. We're going to see 200 point gap, 200. It's going to be everywhere. People don't understand because all the greatness that cores brings when the players go to other sea level places, the ball moves differently. Okay. That's that the curveball doesn't have any snap and, and, and cores all of a sudden's got snap, right? The ball moves differently. The pitches move the way the pitchers intend them to move. So there's an adjustment period for the players because they're basically used to looking at every slider as a backup slider because there's not that sharp break to it. Well, now they got to readjust. And, oh yeah. Now the short, it's hard to do. So all the benefits they get in cores are almost taken away on the road because of the difference in the way the pitches move. So that 750 away OPS might mean nothing. Trevor Story might get moved to a team and his OPS might still be 850. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so that we it, it's the right thing to do when the guy's playing in Colorado. But when they're out of Colorado, I think sometimes we use it too much as an explanation of, well, now Trevor Story's going to suck with his new... No, he's not going to suck with his new team. I suppose the bad news, as I said, um, a fantasy owner wants to keep Trevor Story in Denver. We're, we're sitting here a month out, Ray. I, I would say it's 75-25 that he's traded. W- would you put the odds that high? Yeah, I would. I, I, I fully expect him to be traded. I think 75% is a good number. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically a lame duck franchise here. And, um, you know, after all this, what if Trevor Story, when the season's over, they don't trade him, says, I don't want to play here anymore. What, and they get zero to get nothing. They can't do that. They can't afford to do that. Their organization's already been set back too far to also take that on. You know, the other just ran through that's um, probably having the best season of this crew uh, would be Cattell Marte. Now, that, that comes with an asterisk because Marte's missed a lot of action this year. And, and in fact, he's kind of dealing with an injury right now, a hamstring. But Ray, he's the he's the name here of a guy who's actually having a good year and and could be traded. Now his he's not a free agent. And hey, Arizona sucks, but do they really want Trey Cattell Marte? I think they only do if they get just a landfall of prospects uh, because Marte is cheap. He's under contract. He's playing well. But Ray, that's a guy that if he left Arizona and went to a contender, mm-hmm. went to an offense that was good as long as he's on the field, his numbers could leap. Cause right now there's nothing around him, and the situation sucks and he can't score any runs. He can't drive in any runs, but man, oh man, you'd love to see him go with a team. I, I don't just throw some names out here. Uh, you know, the Yankees, you know, you get judge, you get Stanton, you know, you get these guys around Cattell Marte and how exciting that would be, or even Oakland where Mark Canna's getting on base or, you know, and you have, uh, you know, Olsen doing his thing. Maybe Chapman comes around. Like, there's so many places where, where Cattell Marte could see an uptick in fantasy numbers just by simply getting out of Arizona. I don't think it's highly likely, but that'd be like one big shoe to fall, I think, in the fantasy game to where I, I probably would get overly excited about Cattell Marte just simply getting out of Arizona. Yeah, I mean, since the start of 2019, he's almost hitting 330 with a 930 OPS. And we could debate how much power is he a 30 home run guy? Is he a 20 home run guy? We can debate that. But you know, when, you, when your slash line is, is, is looking like, you know, 
prime MVP level stuff, which again, 930 OPS is MVP level stuff. Yeah, get him on a team that can can perform. Um, he would in, and he would be an extremely interesting piece if if a he could stay healthy and b if he was on another team because of his talents because of his ability with the bat. You're totally right. He's he's in essence wasted in this lineup. We have you know the Eduardo Escobar scenario. We keep hearing his name too, uh, and it's very interesting to see that you know where where Marte would end up. What role would he fill? Because he's played enough games to qualify in the outfield heading into next season, but he hasn't yet played enough games at second base. He could join a team and maybe play second yeah, base point. and that helps him out yeah, moving forward point. too so there's there's a lot to watch that diamondbacks team who obviously is going to blow things up by the way we should give him a little golf clap it broke the losing streak on the road so <laughs> Good job, diamondbacks. yeah congratulations you won one out of what 25 year old games i think that was that, it that's yeah. what it is uh, you know a couple other guys here uh scope and adam frazier and even mitch hanniger um, you know, they're not having the years like Cattell Marte is, but Ray, those are other guys. You get them into a different offense and the numbers look different right now. You know, nobody cares about Jonathan scope, despite what he's doing. Nobody cares about Adam Frazier, despite what he's doing. You know, Hanniger is kind of lost in the Pacific Northwest. Now he has cooled down, but those are all guys where right now you'd love to see him get with a better offense. Oh yeah. I mean, Jonathan scope for a month has been one of the handful of best hitters in baseball at second base position flat out. Go look at go look at your player radar tool. Like it's been amazing, and he is not that hitter, and he's not a refined hitter, and he's not a batting average guy. Like okay, but again, for a month he has been blasting, just absolutely torching the baseball. Adam Frazier doesn't ever torch the baseball. He hit the ball like nine miles an hour, but he's producing hits all over the place. He's extremely productive. He knows how to work a count. He can get on base. Like he's a, he's a good little player. That I think that guys like Scope and Frazier. Could get, could he obviously be traded? I, the worry I have is if they get traded and then they're platoon guys, because yeah. as great as they're playing, yeah. like a team, right? It's like you know we're trying to win a championship, or we'd love to have Adam Frazier on our team. It's only going to play four out of every five games, or he's going to sit sit against lefties or right. You know they're just going to because you know, what's it, it, they the team getting him knows he's not a three thirty hitter, he's not a power guy. So you know so that's that's the worry. Hanniger, um, he started off great and it's really slowed down, but. Still, he's been a run producer, and obviously he'd, you'd have to think he'd be reinvigorated in an offense that could actually, I don't know, get base hits if he was with a different team. So, yeah, all those three guys are very intriguing, though, as I heard you concurring with, Kyle. Playing time could be an issue depending upon where they end up. Let's go through all these guys before we go to some lesser bats. Um, one to ten likelihood that they are traded within the next month. Uh, one being very little likelihood, ten being very uh, – starting with story, I'm going to go an eight. Nine. Scope. Nine. Yeah, I'm going nine, too. I go Adam Frazier, got to be a nine. I, I want to say ten. I'll go nine. <laughs> I'll go nine. Uh, Josh Donaldson. Um, a, we got to make sure he's healthy over the next yeah. month, but as long as he's healthy, I think that's an eight. Uh, I'll say seven because I just don't know if he'll be healthy. How about Nelson Cruz? I, I would put that at a seven. Five. I'll go lower on that one. Joey Gallo in Texas. Um I'm going to go seven there on Gallo. Blasting a couple of 450-foot home runs on Saturday, I think, right? Um, six. Mitch Hanniger. And I'll just say Jerry Depoto is still the GM there, and he's been quiet. He's got to flip Hanniger. I'm going nine. Eight. Yeah. And remember, everything about the future with the Mariners are their outfielders. So yeah. they, they got to get something good for, for Hanniger. Cattell Marte, I'm going to go with a five. Yeah, same thing with I'll go five with you. I think it's the same Donaldson thing. I just don't know about his health. I'm struggling with Starling Marte. 
because he is a free agent. But, Ray, I don't know if Miami considers themselves out of it or in it. They're last in the East. Maybe they make a run to the to the wild card. Uh, Marte's a free agent again. I, I'm going to go with a six on Starling. I'm going to go with the three. He's actually said he wants to finish his career there. And, you know, they've got a lot of young players there, but you need veterans and he's still really good. Um, I'll go three. I'm going to go low. I, I would remind him as he heads out the door that he can still. Oh, if, if he really wants to finish as a Marlin, he's still able to do that. It's That's just <laughs> right now we're going to turn you into three prospects. Yeah, right. And then we'll bring you back in November. It we'll happens at times. Then. We've seen yeah. that happen over the years. It does happen. Yeah, it happened uh, with Roldis Chapman. He got yeah. traded to the Cubs and then came back to the Yankees um, the following year. Okay, let's go to the two-hole, Ray. Um, Lesser-known bats or, or maybe lesser uh, impactful bats. I, a list I've got here, a couple of D-backs. Uh, Peralta and Escobar, and unlike mm-hmm. Cattell Marte, I think it's very likely Peralta and Escobar were to get traded. Kyle Seeger's got to be on here, and then Jesus Aguilar, another Marlin. And I, I'll say this: I don't know if you know outside of the two Arizona guys. And again, playing time may be an issue, like you noted with Frazier and Scope. But you know, these are names that I guess could end up in better situations. But I think the issue would be: are they going to be better players? Or are they going to be more impactful? For the most part. Sure, they could end up somewhere surprising. I don't know. Maybe there's an injury and all of a sudden Kyle Seeger goes to a team that needs to bat him fifth every day, you know, and it's a good offense. I guess I could happen. But overall, Ray, I look at names like this and other names that could be on the move, too. And I don't know if their fantasy prospects are really going to be altered. Yeah, the, the playing time component is is the important piece because guys like Escobar and Seeger and Peralta all have, you know, talents that make them or mark them as usable pieces. But it's a lot of volume stuff. It's not because any of those guys are looked at to hit 310. It's not because any of them really are 30 home, home run guys. It's not because any of them are really, you know, 15, 20 steel guys. They're compilers, right? And at the end of the year, the numbers are solid because they play every day. And so their their end their ending point ultimately will determine their value in the second half of the season. Because you know, as much as everyone loves Escobar, because all of a sudden he starts hitting home runs again and all that. I, I I assume he'd play most days for a new team, but again, eh, you know, I mean, you hit 230 for a two-week period of time with a 270 on base percentage, and your team's trying to make the playoffs, and they just brought you in three weeks ago. It's like, eh, you know, maybe you sit a little bit here and there. So, yeah, I think that guys like that, it really comes down to whether they're in the lineup or not, Kyle. Let's go to starting pitchers. A very quick two-spot leads us to maybe a bit more time here on the three-spot. Um, like I noted at the start, I – there are a lot of pitchers that are quote unquote available, but with the way pitching is being treated now and how every team wants it. And again, all the teams that are quote unquote still in it, Ray, I'll say, I, I just don't know how many teams are willing to give up pitching. <laughs> yeah. Even the bad teams. Um, I guess if it's a veteran, who's a free agent, okay, sure. We'll move on. I, the names like Minnesota again, Michael Pineda. Okay. I can easily see Michael Pineda being traded, but I don't know if his fortunes really change, you know, the Rockies, it's very easy to see John Gray traded and Ray, that's kind of the anti Trevor story here mm-hmm. where we say, man, just get John Gray out of Denver. And maybe we've got something. Do, do you buy into that line of thinking with John Gray? Well, interesting. There are, there are players that for whatever reason, and this will be something that hopefully someone one day will do a study of. I've never done it myself and I haven't seen it. But there are players that you would think one thing about cores and then the other thing is true. We usually focus on hitters get worse, pitchers get better when they leave. When you look at John Gray, his home ERA is better than his road ERA. His home batting average against is better than his road batting average against. His That's home for this on- year, right? 
No, for his career, for his career, Kyle. Okay, for okay. his career. For his career, his ERA is better at home. His batting average against is better at home. His on-base percentage against is better at home. His slugging percentage against is better at home. His WOBA against is better at home. He has been a better pitcher in cores than on the road. And it's close. All the numbers are very there. You know, his ERA is a tenth apart. Batting average is six points apart. But the point is, he's basically been the exact same guy. So while we would assume he leaves and he gets weight, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, his strikeout rate goes up seven tenths on the road. I mean, woo. His walk rate skyrockets on the road. It's worse on the road. Like, I don't, he's a guy that he gets traded, and I don't know if anything improves just because he got traded. He's had an interesting career. Uh, there, there were a couple of seasons where a lot of people thought he was on the precipice of becoming like a, you know, almost a low-end SP2, high-end SP3 in the fantasy game. It really never clicked, and then he totally lost it a couple of years back, was sent to the minor leagues. It looks like he was finished. Now he's come back and pitched better. He's been stuck in that, you know, cauldron of Colorado for so long. Uh, where most of the time it's been losing for John Gray. And then, of course, they jacked with him, you know, minor leagues, major leagues, what's your role, all this stuff. I, I wonder how he'd react um, to, to going into a, a playoff race because he really hasn't been in one, Ray. And he, he would be added as a guy's like, oh, man, John Gray going to strengthen the staff. And like you said, I, I think a lot of people initially would react that this is great for Gay, Gray, but we just don't know how he's going to react in a new environment and, and could be in a much tougher situation. Whereas with Colorado, it's laid back. Hey, we're not expected to win anyway. Um, you know, I'll just go out here. I'm comfortable here. But all of a sudden, if he goes to a team like Boston, it's like, we need you to win every single night. And we need you to do it against Tampa, who's hot on our heels. We need you to do this in the Bronx against the Yankees. Totally different environment for a guy like John Gray than what he's used to. Absolutely. And there's also the fact that, you know, and you're right about your analysis of his career trajectory. It's all over the place. And that's something that, you know, good or bad, consistency matters. Like if you're if you're an SP2 and you're an SP2 and you're an SP2, great. If your teams are fine with you, if you're an SP5, just give us SP5, but don't do two, five, five, two, three, four. Like he's just all over the place. And there's no telling, and teams will obviously take this into account. There's no telling which pitcher they're going to get beyond all the stuff that you mentioned, that's just all totally viable as well. Which pitcher is he going to be locked in? Is he going to struggle for strikes? Is he going to, and so he's, he's a fascinating case because he definitely is a pitcher that teams would be eyeing. He definitely has the arm and the skill set to be much better than he's been to date, but he's never been able to find that secret sauce. And does he find that secret sauce in two and a half months down the stretch? Yeah. Well, let's go to a guy um, who would be exciting if he moved. And this is an if. Max Scherzer. Uh, Ray, that is the question. Is Max Scherzer um, going to be on the move? I, I kind of think he will be. Now, we had a situation a few years back with Bryce Harper and, and the Nationals refused to move on. I think they were more competitive. They have been playing better baseball of late, but I, I still think they're better served by moving on from Max Scherzer. Um, and, and I still think, Ray, despite him being a, a soon-to-be free agent, he'd bring back a haul. And, and that's kind of the big catch here. When people are looking for pitching and you can bring in Max Scherzer um, and, and get Max Scherzer for a playoff team, it totally changes the vibe of that team. I do not know if it changes the vibe of Max Scherzer. I guess you get him out of Washington, which is, is kind of a hitter's ballpark of all things, but Max Scherzer is probably Max Scherzer wherever he goes. Yeah, that is, you know, you can talk about stuff and all that kind of, you know, and, and throw John Gray next to him and maybe there's not great spreads. But you talk about consistency, 
you talk about fear levels, you talk about everything that makes Max Scherzer what he is. And it's like night and day, like batters go up against John Gray and it's like, all right, we got John Gray today. They go up against Max Scherzer and they're spending 14 hours trying to figure out how to hit him. It's just totally different. And the intensity and the vibe that he brings to the mound personally, as well as what he does to an opponent is every, every start Max Scherzer makes is a playoff start, right? Every team gets jacked up for him and he's jacked up for them. And it totally, totally, and, you know, team adding John Gray goes, all right, we got John Gray. Cool. The team adding Max Scherzer, we're winning the world series. Like it's a totally, <laughs> yeah. T- yeah. And so if you have to overpay for that, for a rental, in essence, I think you do it. If you legitimately think that you can, you know, make it this year. And I also think like you, you mentioned with the nationals, like they, they shut down Strasburg, you know, they had that whole thing and they, they got to just do it. You know, I mean, we're not going to see Kyle Schwarber hitting a home run every game. Sorry, Kyle. It's not going to happen every game. And so this team is just what they are. And if they can get a nice return, I think they should certainly be listening. Well, a- another name we should throw out here on the starting pitching front. Um, he actually has a better ERA than Max Scherzer this year. In fact, I, I think he has the best ERA in the American league right now, Kyle Gibson. Now, Ray, what you're going to tell me, and, and this even goes away from any trade movement, whether Gibson is traded or not by the Rangers. Ray, you broke it down over on the Sirius show, I guess, a couple of nights ago. You're not buying Kyle Gibson at all. You know, whether he stays with the Rangers or goes somewhere else, you're kind of worried about this guy. It's It's been a fabulous start, uh, but there are some worrisome trends there. Yeah, there are. And and the one thing he has going for them, and we marveled at it, is that he's throwing six pitches and five of the pitches he's throwing at least 12% of the time. So he's spreading everything out in the curveball, which is his lowest level pitch. He's throwing 8.5% of the time. So he's legitimately put in the batter's mind six different pitches, sinker, slider, changeup, cutter, four seam, fastball, and then the curveball. So when you have the ability to challenge batters that way, it opens up so much, right? Because so many of these guys we talk about on the other end, we talk about, you know, Pineda or Paddock and how they're basically two pitch pitchers. We've seen Paddock take a step despite his last start because now his curveball's working better. Like that addition of that third pitch is huge for some of these guys. Gibson's got six, but everything he is doing is so far out of the norm and the realm of what we have seen from him. He's 33 years old now. It's so far out of the norm that it's just hard to buy, number one. Number two, the strikeout rate is the lowest it's been in four years. The walk rate is the lowest it's ever been. I mean, by a batter below where it's been the last five years. Like, you can make adjustments and changes. You can diversify your pitch mix. He's been healthy. That He's dealt with stuff off the field, you know, stomach stuff and everything. He's been healthy. But he is just pitching at a level that is so elite with zero backing in his career, zero strikeouts this season, that it just makes me overly concerned that, well, it doesn't make me overly concerned. No one making a move to add Gibson is going to expect this to continue, right? And if, and if they do, they're making a huge mistake. Hmm. Did this with the big name hitters. Let's do it with these uh, larger name pitchers. Uh, one to 10, odds they get moved. Scherzer, I'm going to go with an eight. I think it's very likely. Seven. Kyle Gibson, I'll put at a seven. Eight. I'm going with a 10 on John Gray. Nine. I guess I'll throw Michael Pineda in as a semi-big name. I'll go with a 10. I'll say I'll do the same thing I did with this team. I'll go seven with Pineda because I worry about his health. Um, I should ask you, you think Jose Barrios? I didn't put him on this list. I I find it far-fetched that they'd trade Barrios unless they just got blown away by an offer. The, the, I keep seeing reports almost on a daily basis, people talking about it. Like it's a legit 
thing, Kyle. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna, I'll put it at a five because there's too much talk for it to just be fake. Uh-huh. But I, I don't, I agree with you. I don't know why they would want to do it. Unless well, they if, if Scherzer, you know, if the Nationals tell people, hey, he's not available, I guess maybe people go to Berrios. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Luis Castillo too, you know, kind of in a similar situation. I, I look at both those guys and maybe they're not having great years. Uh, Berrios doing better than, than Castillo. But if, if I'm the Reds and the Twins, I think those guys can actually help me in the next two years. And I don't think those teams are like in a total rebuild at all. Uh, maybe the franchise thinks differently, but... That's kind of why I think they shouldn't be traded now. Again, the team may get blown away with an offer and make the move, uh, but those are, could be a couple of big names in the next month uh, moving on. Quickly, relievers, Ray. We go to the four spot in the starting nine. Um, <laughs> there are going to be a lot of relievers on the move. I don't doubt that. I don't think there's many exciting names here. And frankly, Ray, when I look at the guys who are most likely to move, it's probably all negative for fantasy players because if you lose rich rodriguez same with ian kennedy probably the same with taylor rogers that's that's always the the bugaboo is so many of these relievers can be moved but most of them usually see a downgrade in their viability as a fantasy asset yeah the majority the majority the move here isn't to focus if we're talking on bullpens on the guys that are getting traded it's the guys that are going to assume roles and Uh that's very that's very difficult the old team not the new team correct yeah Yeah. because you know any of these guys former who just you know got the neck issue you know he could get traded we're talking about every twins player maybe rogers goes you know rodriguez has been terrific for the he's been terrific for the pirates but what the hell do they have to play for so a lot of these guys get traded and they're setup guys you know, not many teams, there there are teams, right? Because not everyone runs the same way they used to 10 years ago, but not many teams are desperate in the bullpen and they're in the playoff hunt, right? Yeah. At, you know, it's just not a common. So what we have to look at is who with the Pirates steps up? Who with the Rangers would step up? Who with the, the, the Tigers or the Twins would step up? And the problem with a lot of these situations is that it, it's not clear at all who would step up. It's not clear if one person would step up. And you know, the injury things are so pronounced. Like earlier this week, we, you know, we were talking about the Reds and we were joking about it because someone asked me at Fantasy Guru and then we talked about it on SiriusXM. Brad Brock all of a sudden's a thing now. <laughs> Antone's back on the list, the injured list. Sims is on the list. Maybe it's Garrett. He had the, you know, big weekend there. But it's, it's the guys that move up on the old team that are more intriguing because most of the guys we're talking about today that have value, and I've said this all along with Ian Kennedy. I've warned people all along because I can't see how he doesn't get traded. As great as he has been, he's getting traded, and he's going to be a setup guy. And and the only guy I look at, Ray, that I figure could be available um, and might go to a team, a contender, and still be a closer would be Rozelle Iglesias of the Angels. Um, now, they're 11 games out in the West, and I don't think they're catching both Houston and Oakland. So that's probably not going to happen. I guess they could have a run here. Uh, they could sniff the wild card and then they see Mike Trout coming back. Maybe they hang on to Iglesias, but that'd be the lone guy, Ray, that I, I think could actually go to a contender and still be the closer. Now he's had issues in the past, but he has been pretty darn good this season. Yeah. And you know, the angels went out and reworked their bullpen and you know, the team's not winning. So I don't know. I think that they, I think ideally they'd like to build around him, but having a high price, you know, closer is a luxury. And if your team isn't going to make it happen, it's like, well, you know, so I, I agree with you there that he would be a name that a team would look to add too close. Not that, not that Kennedy or Rodriguez, or these other guys couldn't be added to close, but you know, they're, 
that would have to be a very special situation or one lacking and one with injuries that just drop the thing into the person's lap with Iglesias, the move would be to bring him in to close. And yeah. he's a guy that has success in that role for years. And um, I think that even in the fantasy game, for some reason, he's got a little bit of a bum rap. Bum rap. I don't know why everyone's always so down on that guy. And, yeah. And if, if you're looking at teams that would maybe be interested in Iglesias, this goes to your point, Ray. It's like, well, which contenders need a closer? You know, is Philadelphia a contender? Yeah, I guess they are. So they could use a closer. Um, Atlanta, if they kind of sour on Will Smith, you know, I guess they could use a closer. Toronto could use a closer, I think. Um, probably have to throw San Francisco in there, don't you think, Ray? I mean, I know Rodgers and Smith have been good, but I, I would think the Giants are a team that are kind of looking to strengthen their bullpen. So if they were to get a guy like Iglesias, maybe he could still close for him. Maybe. Um, I don't know what they're doing. I, what they're doing is working. What they're doing so, is winning. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, it's working. I think I saw what, what was the stat I saw. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. We're talking but the, you know, McGee, Rodgers, they're such different, you know, at bats. And we've talked about this, such different at bats that I, I think they probably like the combo they've got. Uh, the Giants, by the way, the first team since 1938, um, for the first time since 1938, excuse me, reached 50 wins before anyone else. Since 1995, only three teams that were the first to win 15 games went on to win the World Series, which is kind of surprising. I mean, we're I talking think that about streak will stay in place just to let oh, you. Oh come know. on, Kyle! <laughs> 25 years, only three times the team getting there first has done it. But uh, they could make that move, given everything here and the way they've run the team the last few years. I'd be surprised. So those are the names we're looking at, um, kind of using the beginning of this podcast to just uh, get you prepped for the next month. And we may start seeing names on the move as soon as right after July 4th or so. Who knows, really? But we're getting close to the deadline just a month out as we uh, enter the summer months and uh, teams are starting to position themselves for that. And it does have an effect uh, for you, the fantasy player. Of course, right here at the Baseball Elite Podcast, uh, we'll let you know what changes for everybody, old teams and new teams, as we go through the upcoming month. Let's go to the five hole in our starting nine uh, time for some news and notes. And uh, as usual, Ray, a lot of injuries here. Um, a guy who could be on the move, Michael Fulmer, who's uh, kind of altered his career trajectory by going to the bullpen for Detroit. Uh, he was placed on the IL over the weekend with a neck injury. Same for Freddie Galvis quad injury for him. Willie Calhoun, the guy cannot buy a, well, I don't even want to say a break because um, he, he break. suffered a fractured forearm, Ray out, yeah. out for a while. This, this was like the perfect setup for Willie Calhoun. The team's going nowhere. It's time to find out what we can get. And now he's probably going to miss months. And we're right back to the drawing table. Willie Calhoun is one of those guys who, I, I say it often, you're going to run into this guy 15 years from now at the end of the bar. And he's going he's gonna to be boring you with stories of what he could have been. And most of those guys are blowhards. But not Willie Calhoun, Ray. He'll probably be able to say, this is what I could have been. And I guess I, I could never get things to go right for me. Yeah. Did I see that the pitch that broke his arm was 79 miles an hour? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about just hitting the weak spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that probably, I don't know if it matters to him, but it probably makes it even worse, right? It wasn't 99. It was 79. Yeah. He's, he's, um, he's been his own worst enemy at times. Uh, but there have been injuries and starts and stops. And you're right. This, this was his chance to go and it's, just not happening and you know my 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 crystal ball says he's gonna have one year where it happens you know they'll hit one year where he hits 270 with 28 home runs or whatever but it's just his career to date has been quite frankly a disaster based upon expectations and uh, no end in sight right now on the plus side of things uh, the indians injured zach please he had a fractured thumb he is set to start his rehab assignment on tuesday 
I guess we'll throw this into the positive pile. Steven Strasburg with a 25-pitch bullpen session on Sunday coming back from that neck injury. I, I, I will say this, Ray. Um, if I own Steven Strasburg, as soon as he is announced as, hey, he's back on Wednesday or he's back on Saturday, I am trying my damnedest to flip him, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense in Fantasy Baseball 2021. Why would you change a pitcher like – why would you trade a pitcher like Strasburg when he's finally coming back? But, Ray, I, I just have no faith. No faith in Steven Strasburg. And if I, you know, I, I hope he's back in like two to three weeks. So you could still flip him to somebody who thinks they're going to get a boost in their fantasy pitching. And meanwhile, you can get a boost in your hitting or whatever you need. But I, I, I really think a Strasburg owner is going to be better served by making good on the return date for Strasburg and finding a taker for him in the trade. He's only due $175 million in the next five years. Oh. <laughs> That's, that's got some Miggy Cabrera overture, overtures, doesn't it? Yeah. Who ever signed a contract to Steven Strasburg so at 37 years of age, you'd be making $35 million. Yeah, this is a reason why the Nationals can't yeah. keep Scherzer. <laughs> yeah, it really is, right? I mean, and, and honestly, how bad is that? And you're you're right. I mean, if we're being practical. Um, I have Strasburg in one league. It's the Series XM Host League. And uh, I'm not going to take your advice because I don't think I'd get anything for him. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm not going to trade. Yeah, for him. I, I don't think I, you know, what am I, someone's going to offer me. What are they going to give me? You know, here, I'll give you an injured Logan Webb. Nah, okay. So oh, come on. They'll give you more than that, right? You think so? Even Strasburg coming off the IL, someone will treat him as an SP2. People well, are desperate okay, for pitching. Then man. I'll put him on the way. Maybe I will trade him then if someone <laughs> thinks that, because I'm not thinking that. Uh, you, you should try it. Just okay. float him out there. Okay. I mean, there's, there's, a, you know, isn't Lenny in that league? Sucker this born Lenny. every minute, huh, Kyle? Is yeah, that it? Yeah, you never know. Okay. Um, one other injury over the weekend, um, Mike Soroka, done for the season, getting set for a third surgery in the Achilles. Um, had one in the offseason, had one like two weeks ago, and Ray, it's just crazy. Um, comes off that second surgery, he's walking around, and the Achilles pops again, it sounds like. Yeah, and uh, we will hope that, everything is okay with him and he's starring in a major league field at some point next year. I'm, I'm very dubious of that. Unfortunately, uh, Mark Bowman, who covers the team for MLB.com said that his bet, you know, yes, uh, yesterday, what am I saying? Saturday, that his best guess would be that July of next year would be an, at the target date. And again, that's over a year from now. And that's a best guess is if everything goes right. So even if he gets his career back on track, it may not even be in 2022. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that he was out of the walking boot for a day and then was walking around and toured again. I mean, this is his career could be over, frankly. And it's sad because he was so great. Um, talking about a Willie Calhoun situation in reverse, this guy was fantastic. And then here come the injuries and we'll just hope that he gets back. But, you know, anyone that has him in a dynasty league, I mean, you just got to you just got to look at next year as a zero and, and hope that you get anything after that. Maybe uh, he and Willie will go into business together, Ray, and they'll open up that bar together and they'll call it the the, the Willie and Mike uh, Bar and Grill. That'd and they nice. can both sit there and tell us stories of what they could have been 15 years from now. One in the bar, one at the bar, one serving drinks at that yeah, end, one yeah. serving drinks. And I'm, I'm just ready to ruin guys' careers. <laughs> Pretty much. You are a terrible I'm person. Ready to throw them out. Strasburg, you suck. Calhoun, you're finished. Soroka, we'll never see you again. I, I don't want to come off that way, but I don't know. I'm just being honest, just giving my opinion. Um, let's move to the six hole in our starting nine and let's talk greatness player profile time, Ray. And the great we're talking about is Julio Urias. It's happening. And, and maybe greatness is too strong a word. Um, you know, the ERA is kind of high, frankly, it's, it's almost four, 
but Ray, he's he's got wins, he's got strikeouts, he's got a whip, um, he's healthy, he's making starts every five days. Uh, we've been waiting a long time for this, but Julio Urias is is kind of figuring it out at the age of 24, might I add. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be 25, what, in uh, two months or something like that. He's 24, you're right. It's six years. He was up so early. We <laughs> He's like almost a free agent at this point. <laughs> yeah, just. And so, you know, he um, he has been great, and it's not surprising because he's always been looked at as a guy that would be this pitcher. You're right. Um his performance this year is, you know, around the horn, really impressive. And, and a couple of numbers that really stand out are his, your favorite, Kyle, CSW is 32, which is really good. His ability to generate swings on pitches out of the strike zone at 37% is really high. But most impressive, and this is not as easy as it is, but this is, you know, it's a huge component. It's getting ahead to strike one. He's got a 72% first pitch strike rate. The league average is about 61%. His career mark was about 62% coming into this year. He's at 72%. And when you have his stuff and you're ahead 0-1 as much as he is, the batters are in for a rough time. Well, and and I mentioned, hey, the knock here is because we score ERA. So I, I got to mention, hey, a, a near four ERA is not great. But, Ray, he's one of those guys that in fantasy circles, nobody's really complaining about Julio Urias. You know, they just aren't. Mm-hmm. And And he's one of those guys who's actually been a bit unlucky. You know, the ERA could be better than it is. So I, you know, it's very rare that we have a guy who is uh, doing well. No. And yet he could be better if, if you look at at least one number there. Yeah, his Sierra is 329. His XFIP is 333. Um, his expected ERA is 37. So all those numbers are strongly suggestive that the ERA could easily be lower. Um, and I think that if you look at his overall skills you could also buy that he's had a couple of rough outings uh, the Padres beat him down for six runs and the Giants beat him down for six runs you, you take those numbers out it evens everything out to, to kind of what we're talking about um, but yeah he, he across the board is, is really done well and, and the whip is is so strong as well because he's walking less than two guys per nine innings and again he's ahead 0-1 all the time it just opens up so much when you have that repertoire well, well here's the big question Ray 93 innings yeah that is already a career high yeah. by a fairly significant margin. Um, now you mentioned six years in and, you know, he's coming up on 25. Um, I wonder what, what more do we get? He's made 16 starts this year, um, which is a huge total that puts him on pace for like 30, 31. If he were to stay healthy, I've got a sneaking suspicion, Ray, the Dodgers are going to find a way to skip a start or two for Julio Urias. And they're going to find a way to, you know, take wins away from some of us in the fantasy game when they yank him after 90 pitches and four and a third innings, um, even if he's doing well. I, I just wonder where the second half goes for him. You mean like they've done with all their other pitchers for the last four years? Yeah, yeah this, this is something to throw out there. Got to be prepared for it. Absolutely. And, he, you know, just to put it out there, he did throw just over 120 innings back in 2016, if you include his work at the minors. But, you know, that, again, that was years ago. That was five years ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. There's no innings on his arm. None. And with the way it, this has been the surprising thing with the way that they have handled him to this point of his career to just let him go this year is very surprising because they're, it's like you're saying, they just let him go. It's not. And he's been very much like DeGrom. He's not running up 120 you know, pitches an outing. He's been very good, you know, going 90 pitches and, and getting through six innings. But I mean, I can't, I mean, if we're being honest here, like if he hit 140 innings, I'd be surprised. Wouldn't you? Mm. I mean, re- I, Oh, I, 
I, really? I think they'll let him get to like 160. One, I, I see a little more leash for Urias. And unless he just starts showing um, fatigue, yeah. which he could, he, yeah. he could. But I, I think as long as he's feeling good, I'm assuming he's feeling good, then I think they'll kind of give him a little bit of a leash this year. It'll be very interesting to see how all organizations handle this because he threw 55 innings last year. Okay, you're going to let him ramp that up 100? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. The year before that, he threw 81. So you're going to let him throw more innings this year than he threw the last three, two years, excuse me? Uh, maybe. But I'm just saying with the way that they've handled it to date, it's been very cautious. So just to let him loose, maybe 140 was unfair. Let's go 150. But even that, I'm, you know, I think you're right. They're going to skip starts. They're going to short shift him a little bit. There's going to be a couple outings where he throws 75 pitches. They're going to be very cautious with him as his innings pile up. It's our player profile of Julio Urias um, sitting there in the six hole. Go to our seven spot. And uh, you may have heard in previous podcasts, Ray and I have talked about this. And, you know, off the top, I'll, I'll tell you that there's maybe a little more interest for the DFS player, but I'm sure we've got a lot of listeners who, not only do the season long game, but also the DFS play um, raid the smash tool over at EliteSportsData.com, which is kind of a sister site of everything we do at fantasyguru.com. Um, this is a tool that you Jeff Manns and a lot of the other nerds. No, you me, guys aren't nerds. It was me and Jeff Manns only Kyle, just the okay. two of us. Yeah, but there's, there's people behind the scenes ready to, to make sure this goes up and looks well. Done. That is absolutely true. I could not program anything. Yeah. Yeah, Ray, Ray's just a talker. Don't let him fool you. He's, he's, he doesn't know how to punch in Hell ones no. and twos no and zeros chance. and all that. Nah. Um, the smash tool. It's, you know, it's it's there for pitching. And I think maybe a lot of people will use it most there, but it also is for hitting. Uh, thought we'd use a, a few minutes here to just introduce people to what this tool is. And I don't know, Ray, you told me off the top. Is, is there a whole lot of use for the yearly player before we kind of dig into it and what it shows is... Mm -hmm. Is this mainly a DFS tool, I think? I would say that yes and no. Um, I would say it's more directly applicable to daily. I think that's fair. But I'll tell you this, you know, when, when I started down this path uh, as the creator of Smash, I was just going to use it as a seasonal tool. And Jeff Manns got involved and said, well, Ray, what if we do this and do this? And then it, then it became what it, it is today. Jeff made it infinitely better by his suggestions. But my initial thought was that it was a seasonal tool. And so I think what we did was we, we still have the seasonal component, which is the smash tool itself. Because what we basically ended up doing is we created two numbers. There's the smash number for hitters. There's a smash number for pitchers. And then there's the advantage section. The advantage section is the Jeff Mann's component, really. That is, we're going to take the hitter and the pitcher and what's today going to give us. If you just look at the smash tool itself and, the, and what it's trying to represent either for pitching or for hitting, it's either looking at the last 30 days or the entire season and telling you how those guys are performing. So you can still use the smash tool itself for seasonal very easily. Well, and, the, and let us state, people have pitching decisions every day. Absolutely. You know, they want to roll with the guys. Yeah. So that's another aspect of this, certainly on the pitching side. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, knowing, knowing what, Knowing what guys have done the last 30 days of the season is extremely important. Knowing what the matchup is, extremely important. You're every day in the chat room at Fantasy Guru, should I start this guy or that guy? Yeah, it mm -hmm. comes up all the time. So while the tool evolved into, this is for the DFS game, the first portion of it, the smash portion of it, is still extremely applicable to the seasonal game in general. And then the advantage piece is extremely applicable to anyone looking to change your lineup on a daily basis.
Ash number. Say that again, Kyle. You broke up a little bit. On I, I was saying, how do we get this number? What are the things that go mm -hmm. into finding the smash number for everything? Uh, <laughs> I am under I am under a gag order. If we're is it like honest. fifty? Is it like fifty stats? Are we talking more? What, there, it, it's it's a little less than that, but there is a lot of stuff. Basically speaking, what we tried to do is create a, a tool that measured player performance irrespective of the fantasy game. And that sounds kind of stupid, but hear me out for a second. I'm not concerned if a guy's going to steal a base today. I'm not concerned if a guy's going to have an RBI today. That's not the intent of the tool. The intent of the tool is to say, how is the player performing? Let's look at batted ball data. Let's look at stat cast data. Let's look at ballpark data. Let's look at matchup data. Let's look at all those components and suggest how the player has been performing and is likely to perform moving forward. So it's not... It's not, quote unquote, a tool that's going to tell you, like I said, he's going to have an RBI today or steal a base day or have seven strikeouts today. That's not what it's about. It's about the behind the scenes stuff, which is what I've talked about for years anyway. People get too focused on the surface numbers. They get too focused on the results. You know, we're, this guy's hitting 250, Ray. What, 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 what's going on? Do I ever say, well, he's got one hit and four at bats? No. We talk about walk <laughs> rates, strikeout rates, pull rates, ground ball rates. Yeah. It's all that other stuff. All that other stuff is what goes into the smash score. You know, um, you had mentioned how when you pull up that that chart, and it's updated daily, as you might expect, with all the games that come out and the pitching matchups and everything, um, that there's a smash number and a smash advantage for, okay, this is what the pitcher has done this year versus the lineup this year. Mm -hmm. There's also the 30-day snapshot. Mm -hmm. right. You know, here are the last 30 days for the pitcher. Here are the last 30 days for, for the hitters in the lineup. Which one do you pay more attention to? Good question. Yeah, there's been a lot of running debate about this. Um, because, again, the tool is new in terms of its release. It's been out for a month now. We're trying to – we're still in beta. And, by the way, there's an article yeah. over at, at Fantasy Guru if people want to read more about it, about how to – if you're a subscriber, you can go read it. If you're not a subscriber, sorry. you got to become a subscriber. Because <laughs> um, this tool is really, I think, revolutionary. Um, and I would really encourage people, if, if you sign up for any package at EliteFantasy.com, you get access to this. So – if you want to get the any the summer special, any of them over to elitefantasy.com, you get access to this. Um, I think that it's I, I look at both. And the reason I say that is because let's take the case of just a recent guy that we talked about earlier, Luis Castillo. His seasonal numbers are eh. His performance the last month here have been great, right? So I'm not gonna discount what he's done this season as a potential outcome for his next start. But I'm more interested, really, in that last month of time because clearly the, the you know the bell has gone off for him. So I tend to gravitate toward the 30 day because I think yeah. it's more you know especially if guys has there been a, a mechanical change here or there. Uh, it also speaks more directly to the matchup itself. You know, like what has the other team done? The, oh, the the Mariners are awful. Yeah, but maybe they've hit better the last two weeks. So I tend to gravitate toward the 30, but I do look at both. I, and I was going to say the 30, especially this year and probably future years, to me, that's the one that hits because lineups are changing. Injuries are happening, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, as we get deeper into the season, July, August, September, I, I think you do want to care more about the 30 day than the season long numbers. Um, and again, that's obviously mainly for DFS, um, not so much for, for the yearly player. Um, the tool is up and we don't want to forget hitters. You know, they can sometimes get overlooked in this. You know, we just care about the daily pitching decisions, but pretty well every single hitter is ranked up there, Ray, right? Yeah. I mean, if you yeah, got yeah. 
20 and, and teams one, playing, you're going to see hundreds of players ranked for that, that particular night's matchup. Absolutely. And one final thing I want to note here, and it dovetails into this, this point before I get back to it, the Burr report, for those of you that have been at fantasy guru for a long time, or remember the Burr report where we look at bullpens that's now on EliteData.com, EliteSportsData.com, excuse me, because I used to have to figure that out by hand. And because I don't know how to do ones and zeros, it's a disaster. <laughs> so it's now updated. I used to do it once a week and that's all I could keep my brain around. Now it's updated every day. So the Burr report is there. We also have a bullpen usage chart there, which is fantastic because it shows you all the information you need at the opponent bullpen. How many pitches have they thrown? How many innings have they thrown? The last three days, the last five days, the last seven days, you know, are these pitchers going to be active? You know, this guy's pitched three straight games. Is he going to pitch a fourth? Probably not. So there's all that bullpen data. And the reason I bring that up is because when we talk about the hitting side of things with the smash report, we're not a lot of tools look at um, the batter versus pitcher matchup, right? And it's not, it's not BVP data, but they're looking at, oh, you know, what, you know, Trevor Story's facing Jacob deGrom tonight. How's that going to go? Jacob deGrom's only going to throw six innings. There's going to be a third of the game where it's the bullpen pitching. The smash tool looks at the entire bullpen as well. So it factors in the starting pitcher and the bullpen. And as we've talked about all year long, bullpens now throw 40, 45% of all innings. Mm-hmm. So all these tools out there that focus so heavily on the batter versus the starting pitcher are missing 40% of the game every night. And our smash tool eliminates that issue because it takes a starting pitcher and the bullpen Kyle check it out elitesportsdata.com and there's a lot of other baseball tools up there um, there's a little tab at the top says MLB um, just hover your cursor over it and the screen will pop down and you can choose the report uh, tons of things there projections all that stuff but the smash report It's rather new for both uh, pitchers and hitters. Ray and Jeff Manns have been spending hours and hours putting that together. Um, So much so that they don't even want to hang out with each other anymore. Just tired of each other, at least for a month, maybe. face. Yeah, Yeah, then they'll be back. Uh, But check it out. Subscriber, you've got access to all of that. Okay, let's move to the eight spot in our starting nine. Time for the random reference. And one click and we got it. And I got to say, it's always fun to get a player certainly of recent vintage too. And I dare, I will say uh, here in St. Louis, this guy had a moment, oh. uh, certainly had a moment. You talk to certain St. Louis fans and they're going to remember the moment that uh, Scott Spezio had for the mm. St. Louis Cardinals. And and he is our random reference here. Uh, Ray, now his career ended prematurely, mostly through his own doing. Um, he had some off the field problems with pretty well alcohol more than anything. Uh, but like I said, I remember 06 and remember Scott Spezio. He was like a, a mascot for the Cardinals when they won the World Series that year against Detroit. And he had the, you know, the um, flavor saver, if yeah. you will, um, underneath his uh, uh-huh. bottom lip. And, and that was a big thing. And he had a good year in, 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 in 06. I would pretty well say it was his best year by far in, in 06. Yeah. And he was. Yes. And, and you know, the interesting thing with Spezio, we were talking earlier, his career kind of had the same flavor to it as Adam Frazier's before 2021 for Adam Frazier, a guy that was on a bunch of successful teams and, you know, had a decent batting average, could get on base a little bit, a little bit of power, could steal an odd base, but never a guy that anyone was overly excited about. But, you know, he did have a 12-year career, even with the, the way things ended there, as you noted, Kyle, he still played 12 years, almost had a thousand big league hits. Um, it was, he was a, he was a 
pretty solid baseball player. He was kind of the proverbial clubhouse guy who could play everywhere. You know, one of those guys you have to have on your winning team because literally, Ray, you look at his positions, you know, first base, third base, Mm -hmm. left field, right field. He played some second base on occasion. Like this guy bounced everywhere around the diamond. Yeah, he'd be the perfect uh, Tampa Bay Ray if he was still playing (laughs) right now. But yeah, and and he did it for the the Rays, the Angels, the Mariners, the Cardinals. So he bounced around the league. He bounced around positions. But, you know, you don't play that long for that many teams without having something to offer. And like you said, it was not just on the field. It was the off the field stuff, too. That is our random reference for today. We wrap things up with our stamp of approval. And again, we're we're putting this together um, early on Sunday afternoon. So I, I don't know. Maybe Ray will have something that he'll wake up tomorrow and say, ah, I wish that could have been my stamp of approval. You know, maybe something great's going to happen to you tonight, Ray. I don't know. But uh, as, as as of now, where do yeah. we sit with our stamp of approval? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the start of this show, the podcast, Kyle. Saturday in the park. <laughs> I think it was the 4th of July. That's good, Ray. Yeah. You got a, you got a future, buddy. Yeah. The Chicago song. Um, hanging out in the park on Saturday with my family um that's we haven't done that in a long time covid schedules schools you know life um we actually went to the local park and we spent like two hours just sitting there the nephew was playing basketball the niece was you know of course what what does 13 year old girls do she was on her phone the whole time you know insta-ing as she was telling (laughs) us um but it was nice to get out to the park kyle on a saturday and just chill out and relax under the sun it was 75 degrees beautiful day beautiful day in the bay area and she's instanting yeah i tried to talk to her about it my uh stamp of approval is going to go to movers uh we got we got some new um bedroom furniture a couple of uh, dressers and you know end tables things like that and and ray they showed up i guess friday and our house is almost 100 years old and um there's a turn of the staircase as you head upstairs to our master bedroom right and and let's just say it's 100 years old i mean (laughs) You know, when they built this house and, you know, the stairwell may have came later, maybe not, actually. I think the stairwell was there from the get go. I'd say it had to be, um, you know, they, they didn't really foresee, you know, seven foot long <laughs> you know, pieces of furniture going upstairs. So sometimes we get furniture, Ray, we have to send it back because uh, it doesn't work. Right. Doesn't fit. Yep. This made it, though. And, uh, you know, we'll have to do some touch up on the paint. We'll have to do that. But all we cared about was getting it up the stairs. Now, I can say this for any future home buyers down the road, you will be getting this furniture with the house. It's not coming back down the stairs. <laughs> Either that or you're taking the chainsaw upstairs and chucking it out the window <laughs> yeah. in bits. Yeah. But kudos to the movers. They did it. Um, they, they, they wedged it up the stairwell. <laughs> I don't know how. It's one of those things you don't want to watch, Ray. You're like, oh, God, they're going to take out a light, of take course. out a window. You know, something's going to happen, but, and it wasn't perfect. I'm not going to lie, but they got it up. And like I said, that's all the goal was, right? Just get it up the stairs and give us new furniture up there. Yeah. I've in my, my home that I, I rent now, the wash dryer upstairs. And that's, that's a battle getting them up around the stairs. Uh, I've seen older homes. Sometimes I've walked in older homes here in the Barry and I'll like hit my head on door jams because guys <laughs> weren't my height. So I know what you're talking about, tight squeezes. So I think it's very apropos that you gave them a thumbs up for getting it in there. Yeah, there, there are things up there right now in the other rooms that I'm like, I don't even know how we got this up here. I, I look at it and I, it's and, and it's probably one of the reasons I never want to move. I don't want to have to worry about getting stuff down. Right. I'm literally just going to throw this stuff out the window and, yep. you know, if you want it, you can have it. Um, anyway. 
Uh, great job by those guys. And I think we were like one of the last deliveries of the day. So did you tip them, Kyle? Um, no. Oh, well, you pay extra for it. Yeah. You do. You pay extra for them to do that. So I figure that's their tip. Give them a beer or something next time. When I think done. My, my wife, I wasn't there. She did offer him a drink, but okay. uh, they, they passed. Yeah, so okay. They were professionals, even at five o'clock on a Friday. Good for them. Uh, we are not professionals. Never. I mean, I, I've been drinking a whole bottle of wine during this. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Not this time. Um, that takes us to the end of the road. Uh, Ray, where can the folks find you outside of this podcast? They can find me with you on Friday nights on Sirius XM from 10 to 12 Eastern. They can find me with you on Saturdays and Sundays on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radios from 3 to 5 Eastern. You can find me on Instagram at the Ray Flowers. You can find me on Twitter at Baseball Guys. And you can basically find me living in the chat room at Fantasy Guru. You got a question, I will answer it there. Hit it up. The chat room is available to all subscribers to the site. As for me, you'll just find relief on my face. I no longer have to worry about shopping for bedroom furniture. It's been going on for two years. It's over. Thank God for that. Um, that'll do it for us. That does it for the podcast. Hopefully we did it for you today. We will see you next week on a Monday. Another edition of the Baseball League Podcast right here at FantasyGuru.com. 